1: Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, USBets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by our senior analyst, Pulitzer Prize finalist, John Brennan. Last week, we celebrated our 50th episode. This week, it's an even more meaningful milestone, our one-year anniversary. The yeah. first episode of Gamble On came out on August second, 2018. We are one day shy of one year later as we record this. So, Happy anniversary to us. John, did you get me anything?
2: Oh, uh, awkward. Um, <laughs> how about some possibly witty banter and some definitely mediocre betting predictions? Uh, it's as if every week is an anniversary for us. Uh, and wait, what did you get me then?
1: Um. Yeah. Uh. Awkward times too. I, I didn't get you anything either. Uh. Not. Right. Not. Not even a greeting card. Uh. Mm-hmm. I'm. I'm actually very anti greeting cards. Always have been. I tend to prefer to to make a card for my wife or my kids instead of spending six or eight bucks on one. They're just so overpriced. And you know, a, another couple was uh, just telling us the other day that they go to the card store together in advance of their anniversary, pick out the card they'd want to get for each other. And just show each other the cards they've chosen, and then put them <laughs> back.
2: <laughs> That's pretty good, actually. Yeah, they used to be like ninety nine cents, and suddenly they were four ninety nine, and uh, and no one's buying them anyway. So yeah, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't bet on a make a futures bet on that industry. Let's put it that way.
1: Right. Well, uh, thankfully, uh, if the greeting cards are perhaps a bit overpriced podcasts are not this one is absolutely free to listen to the best bargain on the internet and uh we thank everyone for joining us for episode number 51 of gamble on if you missed any of our previous 50 episodes they're all available on soundcloud or on itunes or the apple podcast app and after a full year of doing this you ought to know the drill by now subscribe rate review tell a friend etc
2: yeah yeah and uh eric coming up a little later on the show uh we're going to be joined by Roto Grinders Director of Premium Content, Chris Germino. going to talk about some football. Uh, first NFL preseason game is tonight. So we'll be talking about preseason and regular season DFS, as well as the first year of legal NFL sports betting in uh, Chris's home state and your state, Pennsylvania. Uh, but first, it's been yet another busy week in the world of gambling. So let's get to it. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling.
1: We're coming out of the gate this week with some huge breaking news that I haven't completely wrapped my head around yet, as it just broke on Wednesday evening, and the analyses and think pieces are just starting to percolate. Uh, but here are the basics Penn National Gaming has entered into long term deals of up to 20 years in duration with four prominent sports betting and online gaming operators DraftKings, PointsBet, Bet, The Stars Group, and The Score. Penn National, which has land-based casinos in 19 states all over the country, is providing market access in those states for these operators. In a nutshell, Penn National has or will have varying numbers of online skins in these states as the states come to offer online sports betting, online casino gaming, and online poker— And DraftKings, PointsBet, Stars, and The Score are claiming some of those skins. I won't go into the full state-by-state details, but for example, DraftKings now will have a chance to launch in seven new states, including Pennsylvania, where we wondered how and when DK would enter the picture, Uh, the Stars Group, and in turn PokerStars, now has potential access in nine new states. Uh, Penn Interactive Ventures is working with Camby to help operate the sites. And if you're wondering what Penn National gets out of this, well, money. The Stars Group deal includes upfront cash. Others involve a revenue share or an equity position. Sounds like a big win-win for all involved and possibly bad news for William Hill, which reportedly thought it was close to a deal with Penn National before this. Uh, to quote Cuddy on the wire, the game done changed. John, am I overstating this or is this news as massive and industry shaking as it seems?
2: Yeah, Eric, I think it is. You know, I've been saying for the past year that uh, any gaming company that wasn't on the verge of some big deal coming uh, is not paying attention because it's going to happen. It's all going down. And this one is uh, the biggest one to go down yet. Um, I think it's really impressive for everybody involved. And uh, yeah, it's not good news for anybody not involved. Um, uh, Not exactly a monopoly, but uh, certainly it's, it's a, it's a game changer and, and there's going to be so many advantages to having multiple states and multiple partners. Um, They're going to learn from each other. They're going to get best Best type of product. Um, Yeah, I mean, uh, as far as the consumer, you don't always want uh, a monopoly. And again, we don't have that, but um, that will be one concern. But uh, as far as everybody in this deal, I think they're all winners.
1: Yeah, Yeah, and Penn National is, is really in the catbird seat. Finding some great added value here in simply having casinos spread all over the country i don 't know if that was uh, part of their goal as they built these casinos that someday it would help them uh, rule rule online gaming but uh they're certainly in in position to uh to be the the big leader in, in that now and by the way, a somewhat related news item since Penn National is in Iowa with the Ameristar Council Bluffs, just a quick note that. Land-based sports betting is set to launch in the state of Iowa in time for football season. Uh, Iowa Racing and Gaming Commission Administrator Brian O'Horilko told Radio Iowa that sports betting will kick off, quote, no earlier than on August 15th at noon. Uh, And if you're curious, check the schedules. Iowa, Iowa State, Northern Iowa, they all have their first games of the college football season on August 31st. Uh, So we don't know the exact dates different sports books will open in Iowa, But it's safe to assume most, if not all, of them will open before August 31st, as uh, Iowa will soon become the next state to take legal sports bets.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'll give them some credit. Uh, At this point, I'm more surprised when states actually give final approval for any sports books. (laughs) Uh, A dozen states keep talking a good game, but either they can't pass legislation or they run away from mobile or both. Um, I actually get it when legislators wish that no one could place a bet on their smartphone. I really do. Um, It could be the ruination of some. let's face it, uh, if we're being real. But it seems impossible to explain to them that the ship has already sailed. Right. Uh, so how about some consumer protection? You know, as you mentioned, too many sports betting advocates have led with uh, gaudy figures promising untold riches. And then legislators on the fence, they start to do a little research. But at the bottom line, is isn't quite so game-changing. Then they lose interest. So, you know, good on Iowa. I have a niece who just moved to Iowa City, and there's another entertainment option for her that she would find about as appealing as, um, well, watching a football game. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think – right. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Hey, it's good. To ha- it's good to have options. Um, you know, I think it's, it's, perfectly fine to launch uh, land-based first without uh, online and mobile ready to go. Iowa is a great example of, you know, get that up and running, but they have made clear that they intend to go down the the mobile route as well, and I think that's a perfectly fine way to do things.
2: Yeah, and and we'll see how many states, it's kind of split so far, isn't it? You know, uh, many have it, many don't. Um, There isn't a a definite trend, so I guess every state that does it um, maybe tips the balance a little bit toward the other states that don't seem to know what to do.
1: Yeah. All right. Our next story takes us to the world of online poker, where one of the major operators in the U.S., WSOP.com, has had not one but two hiccups in the past week or so. The first occurred during a Sunday tournament when New Jersey poker player John Borenstein had chips that should have gone his way at the conclusion of a hand go to another player instead. And he has the video to prove it. And he posted it on Twitter. It was a strange glitch. I don't think I've ever experienced anything like that in all my years of playing online poker, mm. uh, but it was theoretically costly to Bornstein. Uh, I say theoretically because it's impossible to know what would happen differently after that if he has a few more chips in his stack, but it was definitely a bad look for WSOP.com that this happened. Uh, But then WSOP.com managed an even worse look over the last few days when Twitter folks started sharing stories of not being able to get their money off the site via PayPal. Uh, I communicated with WSOP head of online poker Bill Reney this week, and he explained that during the WSOP in Vegas over the summer, many people deposited on the site with cash at the casino cage. Then when the WSOP ended, they left town and tried to withdraw via PayPal, and the funds just weren't in the PayPal account because there hadn't been many PayPal deposits, and WSOP.com spreads its funds in various places. It sounds reasonably believable to me, but still fairly inexcusable. The online poker industry just cannot afford to give players Black Friday flashbacks. Uh, So John, what do you make of these two controversies? Uh, Is one worse than the other? And are you surprised to see either of these issues popping up in a regulated environment?
2: Yeah, you know, Eric, remember too big to fail. Um, I think the WSOP brand is too big to have that payout issue happen, really. Um, yeah. It's just, it's just a matter of having a rainy day fund. You know, you never expect to use it. And the reason you need to do it is always surprising like this was. But that's why you have it. Uh, I think with any luck, that fund will be large, large enough uh, next time around. They're not gonna make this mistake again. Uh, the other problem is technical and Eric, mm-hmm. you know, tech savvy I am. So uh, <laughs> right, I'll defer to you on that one other than to say also not a good look. <laughs>
1: Note to wsop.com: Don't turn to John Brennan, uh, hoping that he's going to solve this glitch for you. He's—he's he's not the answer, and—and um, and neither am I. That's uh, this stuff goes way over my head. Uh, the—the—the the, the glitch in the tournament, the fact that it happened—that's just about impossible to resolve, uh, short of. WSOP.com just reaching into its own pockets and giving Borenstein first place money just so he can't possibly be upset. Um, but I don't even, you know, that's not really a fair way to deal with it. It would just be a way to uh, to make him happy. Uh, so yeah, going forward, the people on the programming side just need to find the glitch and, and fix the software because that can't happen again. Players need to know that the game they're playing works. Um, but yeah, the PayPal thing is definitely the bigger deal and the one where WSOP.com is much more at fault. And even if everyone is getting their money, and it sounds like they are, nobody should have to wait two weeks for a withdrawal in a regulated environment. Really, Anything over 24 hours, in my opinion, is excessive. If I can get the money onto the site instantaneously, I should be able to get it off instantaneously. Bottom line, players have to have trust in the site. Uh, You know, this not just online poker, but online casino, sports betting, all that stuff after what happened with Black Friday and players having full tilt poker funds locked up for years, funds that they assumed were secure, this is a major issue that not just WSOP.com, but all online gaming sites have to avoid a reoccurrence of this. And I'd like to see the state commissions come down hard on any site that isn't making it quick and easy for players to cash out. Yeah, I I think that's
2: all uh, fair. And I think, I think that this, both of these issues will be solved. I won't see it again, but if they if it happens again, we'll talk about it and we're gonna hit them harder if it happens
1: again. Absolutely. All right. We finish with two stories, both reported by Matt Rybeltowski at sportshandle.com, involving DraftKings. Last Thursday, DraftKings announced a multi-year agreement to become the first authorized gaming operator of Major League Baseball. What does this mean? It means DraftKings will have access to official MLB data, which should enhance their in-game betting product. Uh, But DraftKings wasn't done making news. Uh, Rybaltowski wrote that for the horse races at Monmouth Park in New Jersey, which we spoke about last week, DK was offering fixed odds wagering on some of the races, something I was unaware of at the time. Um, I'm not a bet the horses guy myself, but obviously a lot of people are. And this would appear to be a big deal if DraftKings is adding horse racing to the online sportsbook menu on a regular basis. So, John, I'll be uh, nice and vague in my question to you. What do you think of these moves DraftKings is making? How big a deal are either of these?
2: Well, you know, Eric, as a romantic who likes happy endings, uh, I'm enjoying seeing the integrity kerfuffle dissipate like the, the way it has. You know, mm-hmm. in-game betting has become so big that any big player in sports betting has to seriously consider ponying it up to keep up uh, and having that official data, which is now the uh, the better phrase. Right. So the leagues now are, now are proving that official data is quite valuable and deals between consenting adults are happening, which is all very healthy. So I like that part. Um, As for fixed odds, it's part of what is known as exchange wagering, and it's legal all of the U.K. and only in New Jersey, because of course New Jersey um, in the U.S. (laughs) Um, It has been for three years. You know what fixed odds means is that for a whale, like a large better his massive bet doesn't alter the odds he's seeking. I mean, can you imagine betting, you know, 50 grand on a race and a a five to one turns into a three to one? I mean, because you bet on that. Right. Uh, It's it's crazy. So for well-off diehards, that's a big deal, and that's a positive. Um, The other part is, well, in-game betting, really. I mean, basically Betfair, now part of the FanDuel conglomerate, ironically, was first to market on this in 2016, you know. I first saw a video, I remember, of Zenyatta's Breeders' Cup win in that era. Uh, watching the odds changing practically every second uh, watching the race, it had me kind of, uh, well, practically hyperventilating. Um, <laughs> you know, for those used to NFL Red Zone channel and now in-game betting on other sports, it's not going to be as hard to handle. So I think DraftKings is bringing this in to another set, of, large set of gamblers at a good time. And this time around for them, it's not going to be seen as mystifying because they've seen it uh, in other forms.
1: Yeah, oh, you, you just got me excited about the return of Red Zone Channel. I hadn't thought about it yeah. recently, <laughs> but uh, God, I love the Red Zone Channel. Um, yeah, I don't have a, a whole lot to add on, on the horse racing stuff, but the um, the data deal, it, it's just interesting with these continuing stories in the, and, and again, I keep flip-flopping data and data. I'll continue to do it as long as we're podcasting <laughs> that it'll change from one sentence to the next, but it's interesting with these stories in this uh, data saga how it's being proven that nobody needed to strong arm the sportsbooks into paying for data and making deals for official league data. If the data is that much better and faster and, and more in depth and will give the sportsbook a superior product, they'll make the deals without being pressured. Um, I was uh, at the Phillies Giants game last night. I called up the FanDuel Sportsbook app on my phone, was looking at all the live betting options, and it's pretty overwhelming as is uh, for, for my personal betting preferences. I don't see a need for even more live betting markets, but I'm quite sure there are people out there who want to be able to bet on the over-under for the speed of Jeff Samarge's next pitch. And if that's a prop that DK is going to be able to offer now and others can't, well, I guess they see some value in that.
2: Yeah, like I said, this is the free market actually at work. Uh, As you say, we're not uh, legislating uh, companies and having to work with other companies. It's just uh, let let the uh, free enterprise reign. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview.
1: The fall season is upon us. We have the first NFL preseason game this week, so that means we're getting close to peak season for DFS and for sports betting. So who better to talk to than Roto Grinders Director of Premium Content, Chris Cimino. Chris is a top DFS player. In addition to cranking out great content, he's qualified for live finals in football, baseball, and basketball. And like me, he's a resident of Pennsylvania, where sports betting is now legal statewide. So there's a lot to discuss. Chris, welcome to Gamble
0: On. Glad to be here. I'm looking forward to talk football. You know, they let me out of the basement once a year to actually talk on the air and <laughs> talk intelligently about the sport that I love so very much. So I'm very, very, very pleased. We're back. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, don't I wouldn't
1: you know? Don't presume intelligently. We never presume intelligently, but we'll no. at least talk some football. Yeah. Um, so because we have the Hall of Fame game this week, uh, and then a full month of preseason games to follow, let's start on the topic of preseason DFS. I know some serious DFS players say this is one of their favorite times of the year because. If you put in the work to research how much playing time coaches are planning to give different players, you have a huge edge over anyone who enters a lineup casually. So, are you also a a big fan of preseason NFL DFS? And who do you have your eye on as a potential breakout star of this preseason? Some skilled player fighting for a job who you expect to shine?
0: I'm a huge fan of preseason DFS. You know, the information flow that's out there for regular season NFL is through the roof. And in addition, but the logic that teams want to win the game is just completely unquestioned in NFL during the regular season. You're going to put the best players on the field all the time. And of course, with that information flow, you sort of have the ability to project who's going to be on the field the most, who's going to get the most targets, et cetera, and so forth. The For preseason DFS, that is not the case. Teams are evaluating their players. They are looking to build the best 53-man roster possible. And we have a whole different set of guidelines that you know, additional information and understanding of how it works is going to give you an edge against your opponents, especially if they even think they understand what they're doing, and they really don't. They're not really looking deep enough down the roster. They're not really understanding what the coaches need to evaluate for that specific team and situation. So the bottom line is I love DFS for the preseason because, you know, those who put the work in are really going to have an edge, and they're going to continue to have an edge, you know, even though this year it's going to be probably, you know, the most information we've ever seen out there for preseason, and it's only going to continue to get worse. But that being said, still lots of guys out there. You'd ask me who I'm keeping my eye on, and I think the number one place I want to start is that quarterback in Baltimore where you have Robert Griffin III injuring his hand. Uh, Lamar Jackson's not going to play a lot, and that's going to open up an absolute ton of playing time for Trace McSorley. He's a running quarterback out of Penn State, uh, a guy who can not only get it done with his legs but may actually be able to get it done with his arm with a couple of guys I like in their pass catching course some young players that are going to get playing time there so I I guess I just want to start with him as a place that's interesting to me because you know the Konami code of DFS says if you can run you can get those rushing points in addition to what you do with your arm and you're going to be on the field a lot very key in preseason DFS McSoy is definitely a guy that I'm going to be playing pretty much every time the Ravens are on the slate with few exceptions
2: Okay, let's jump ahead five weeks, uh, Chris, to uh, NFL week one. I see DraftKings has their uh, player ratings out for that week already. Have um, you gotten much of a chance to take a look at that? Do you see any numbers that jump out at you with players that uh, seem like they're mispriced?
0: Yeah, it's definitely going to be early to get really, really excited about anybody. But, you know, at 6,000, uh, Dalvin Cook on DraftKings is really interesting to me against the Atlanta Falcons. Now, I'm, I do know the Falcons are going to change up their scheme a little bit. I'm hearing word of 3 4. Uh, being something they want to do more of this year. But last year, they were really vulnerable to running backs. And of course, Cook's coming off injuries, which could be one of the reasons for his lower price. But I don't see the other backs in that backfield, Amir Abdullah, Alexander Madison, being a real threat to the consolidation of workload for Dalvin Cook. So that's why I'm very interested in getting after him at just $6,000. He's projecting as a pretty good value, assuming his role is what I think it is
1: um i I assume though with those with week one so far away uh with the prices released this early uh you're you're careful not to get to uh, too much of a one track mind and lock in
0: on anyone th- this far out no definitely not, especially not some place like New York where everyone's going to be excited about the you know the injuries in the wide receiver core you know, opening up some opportunity and these price points on draftkings are uh, making them very viable, but you know that's a bad football team that's probably going to get smashed so i'm not you know, pre- presuming Zeke Elliott is there, uh, I'm not really going to get too excited about anybody in New York until I have a chance to think it through and wait till closer to the season. Right. Okay. Um. So shifting over to the
1: sports betting side of things, as a Pennsylvania resident, this will be your first season with access to legal NFL betting from your home. How do you see yourself balancing DFS with sports betting? Can you see yourself on Sundays – Sweating lineups, building late game lineups, et cetera, for DFS, and also having time to to do some in game betting, or is that just too much?
0: Well, you know, I'm I'm a unique case because I spend all week doing football content and football information, and you know that one to you know six o'clock time period on Sundays usually where I relax and actually just enjoy sports again, right? Like I'm not actually doing work, but. I will definitely bet on the NFL, no question about it. It's, you know, it's an, it's an adjustment. We've never had – I spent my entire life not being able to bet legally in the state of Pennsylvania, so I'm still getting used to the idea that I can get on there anytime I want and even make a bet. But I've definitely done it so far since it's become legal, and uh, now that FanDuel Sportsbook uh, is around, I'm only going to be doing it more and more, uh, especially in football, where I'm actually pretty knowledgeable and ready to try to get these books for some money. There you go. Yeah.
2: And Chris, have you gotten your, uh, your head fully around this um, in-game betting concept? I mean, are you definitely going to do a lot of it? Or are you going to shy away from it? Do most of the people, you know, they're experts too. Or, or how, how into it are they if they're uh, in a, in a, in the right state?
0: Oh, I think there's, there's going to be plenty of people that are going to get on board with in-game betting. There's no question about that. But again, it's just going to be a matter of people figuring out that it's something they can actually do now. But, you know, for me, I, I you know, I, I'm not so sure what the edge is there, right? Like we're, I'm used to playing against my opponents in TFS where I know that I need to exploit what their behaviors are. And now I have to get used to the, you know, what are the behaviors of the book that you can exploit? And it's a little bit more challenging right there. They're pretty good. So in game seems like a spot where you have to be careful. I always want to make sure I'm picking my spots as closely as possible, but uh, there's no doubt in my mind. If I see something on Sunday that's standing out in the middle of the game, I think it's going to come back to win that, you know, pretty good value. I'm going to definitely jump on it.
2: Can you picture doing two or three in-game bets a, a day or on a Sunday, any given Sunday, or, you know, twenty, thirty people do 100? I mean, it gets kind of crazy for some people at times.
0: I'm definitely not going to be one of these twenty, thirty, do do 100 a Sunday. Like I said, I, I do want to relax a little bit here, but you know, I'm always looking for some good action. So now that I can do it from the comfort of my living room, it's definitely going to happen. And have have you by
1: chance placed any uh, NFL futures bets uh, yet or, or or looked at any uh, potential uh, Super Bowl teams or MVP or, uh, or division winners, any, anyone like that that you've been uh, scouting or or are you, you waiting till closer to the season?
0: I'm definitely going to wait just maybe not too much longer, but just a little bit longer until I get a little bit of a handle on what I think is happening here. You obviously, if you're able to get ahead of it, you probably miss some of that early summer value if you're really, really on top of it as far as the futures are concerned. You know, but there's a couple of teams that, I, you know, I'm definitely interested in being ahead of the field on. I, like, I'm very interested in what's going on in Baltimore. Like, I, I really want to make sure I understand what's happening there. I, I haven't seen what the win total is just yet. But if, uh, if I think the book's a little bit light on where, they at, where they're at with Baltimore in any particular spot, I'm definitely going to be interested in them. I think they might be a pretty good team.
1: I did see one
0: book has them at
1: plus 300 to win their division, uh, which seemed a little long to me, maybe a little influenced by all that Cleveland money, uh, helping uh, make the Baltimore price a little more attractive.
0: Oh, that's an interesting spot. I mean, me at plus 300 on, on, uh, on Baltimore, I'm going to have to look into it.
1: All right. Well, it's been great talking to you, Chris. Uh, Chris can be found on Twitter at Chris Jamino, and he plays under his real name on all the DFS sites too. And of course, check out his work on Roto grinders. Chris, uh, thanks so much for coming on the podcast.
0: Thanks for having me. Two men,
1: $10,000. Will they
2: run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the gamble on
0: bankroll.
1: They say you shouldn't point fingers because there are always three fingers pointing back at you. So I won't point fingers. I won't tell you that we had a losing week and it's all John's fault because that would be a real jerk move. Uh, I will, however, share the facts. Just the facts, ma'am. Uh, John made two bets on Henrik Stenson, one for top 20, one for top 10, and neither bet won. Uh, we dropped $150 there. I, on the other hand, won us $111 by betting that Max Scherzer would hold the Rockies scoreless through the first three innings last Thursday, and he did just that uh, before imploding a bit in the fourth (laughs) inning. Uh, Lucky timing for me. Uh, So those were our only results. Uh, So that means we lost $39, and we're back in the red again by $33. Uh, We also have quite a lot tied up in futures bets uh, $1,905. So that leaves us with $8,062 available to bet this week and i'm up first and no i'm not going to bet on the sixers at minus five thousand to make the playoffs did did you see that john did you hear about that (laughs) bet somebody somebody bet just over one hundred thousand dollars at the Westgate in las vegas on the sixers to make the playoffs in order to win just over two thousand dollars i mean it seems pretty safe i think you know knock wood uh Embiid and Simmons could both suffer season-ending injuries and they'd still make the playoffs, probably. But, wow, that seems a silly investment to lock up that money for nine months and hope to earn 2% on it. Um, So, anyway, I am not making that bet. Uh, I'm going to do something similarly ridiculous, however, and bet on preseason football. Uh, The Hall of Fame game is tonight, Broncos versus Falcons. These (laughs) tend to be low-scoring affairs with offenses out of sync and first-team players barely seeing the field. I know you say never bet the under because it's no fun to sweat, but I ain't watching this thing, so no sweat here. I'll just check the <laughs> final score. Let's risk $105 to win 100 that this game goes under the total of 34.5 points. That's the line on FanDuel as of this morning. Uh, last year's Hall of Fame game saw 33 points scored, so there you go. Can't argue with science. Well, as long as you don't <laughs>
2: watch it, I, I can live with you actually betting it. Uh, okay. Watching it is, is the real uh, sin, but you know, <laughs> I, I guess it's true that success is a 1,000 fathers and failure is always an orphan uh in this case <laughs> a lonely orphan I, I found from your opener there um you know i did move into third place in my 30-week pga tour golf pool and god help me that i'm in that 30-week pga <laughs> tour golf pool but uh i picked three other players last week who all finished in the top 12 so uh okay. three out of four and that's uh useless for a bankroll because the one i picked here was not the uh, <laughs> uh he was in it he was in the top twenty even uh into the back nine on Sunday in blew it. so right um, but,
1: uh, for your golf pool I'm just curious does with third place pay do you do you get money yeah top
2: top, three, top okay. three pad of thirteen so yeah it's a okay. key spot to be in. uh i the top two cannot pick uh Brooks Kepka or Rory McElroy in the tour finale, which has that handicapping thing system now where they get extra strokes so oh, right. um yeah, I'm liking my spot there okay. um so sticking with golf um uh it's always dumb to pick a winner, but um, I'll bet 50 on Paul Casey at 16-1, 50 for 800 in this uh, Wyndham Championship, which is uh, the tune-up for the uh, three-week playoff coming up. Um, you know, Casey makes an extra half a million if he uh, has a high finish and another million if he wins a tournament. And um, He's kind of all about the Benjamins, so um, I'll, I'll take Casey there in a lesser field.
1: Okay. All right. Rooting for Paul Casey this weekend. Uh, let's make a baseball bet. The Cubs and Cardinals are battling it out for supremacy in the NL Central. And tonight, the Cubs have the better starting pitcher, uh, John Lester against Jack Flaherty. I find home field advantage a little overrated in baseball odds. Um, I can get plus money on the Cubs tonight because they're the road team. They're plus 105 on points bet. That's the best price i found. It's not a big edge, but I do think it's an edge, as I would pick the Cubs straight up to win this game. So let's bet 100 to win 105 on the Cubbies tonight.
2: All right. And I'm 100 to 110. Um, you know, I noticed the Giants don't have any wide receivers left. And um, the quarterback is really old or really young, depending on which way they go. Um, they've won eight games in the last two years. And um, that's why I think under five and a half, uh, I'm comfortable with at 100 to 110.
1: All right. I like that you're finally betting against one of uh, my team's division <laughs> rivals. I approve. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks, to everybody out there for listening you can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and John at Bergen Brennan and follow us bets at us underscore bets, go to us for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud or on iTunes or the Apple podcast app. And with that, John, I'll be like a moderator at a presidential debate. You have 60 Uh seconds. Please make your closing statement.
2: Uh, That's all I need because uh, traditionally this is the time, time of the podcast where I pontificate on something and traditionally it's the time of year when everybody goes on vacation and uh i'm more interested in vacation so uh (laughs) with that until next time gamble on